You're listening to Too Soon Podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Linda Joe. I've been described as a loud, aggressive drag queen who lives for the drama, often referred to as Linda Sojourner Truth Joe, aka Linda Controversy Ho, aka Basic Black Drag Queen. But despite what you think you know about me, people tell me I'm really nice and I choose to believe them. Hey y'all, my name is Jim Stone and I'm your Southern Bell transplant living in the armpit of the Midwest, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like my name, I like sparkle, color, and anything that's hard as a rock. I'm here to give you all the 411 on what's hot in politics and to keep you up to date on the juiciest drama out of DC. Hey y'all, it's Malaya Marvel, Wisconsin's favorite drag superhero. I'm here to keep you up to date on everything that's happening in pop culture, and we're also going to throw on some spicy anime and nerd culture as well. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. As we do every week, we're going to start off with a Too Soon, and um, I think this week it's too soon to start planning for big events, especially big gay events and pride events for the summer. What do you guys think? I agree. I mean, you know, I I just, I do think it's way too soon. Um, Joe Biden has said tonight that, you know, um, we're hoping to have the country back to full capacity by July 1st. But I personally feel that that is too soon. I mean, we see people, it's getting warm here now. We see people out and about and doing their thing and it's people aren't being safe. I mean, it's, it's still being recommended from, doctors and scientists and um, people that really know what they're talking about when in regards to pandemics, um, that we practice good social distancing, mask wearing, um, getting vaccinated. And I, I don't think it's, I think it's going to be another year before we're completely out of this. Oh yeah. I see where everyone's talking about. I personally, I know you two haven't been performing out in the shows, but I have been going out and doing a couple of things here and there. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, venues trying to maintain what they're doing by being as regulated as possible. But I completely agree. They need to be limiting everything and they also need to be avoiding having events that are huge. Cause I know people are talking about a pride and also like, I, you know, I do a lot of like the anime conventions and stuff like that. And they're talking about, you know, trying to keep those on track for what they've normally done in the past. But I think it's better that they move them forward. I know a lot of big events are talking about moving more towards like September, November, but we might not even be able to do anything at that time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it is too soon just because even though we're vaccinating people at a very high rate right now and the numbers are down, we have things happening like Texas reopening and removing all mass mandates in other states. I think Mississippi is also removing all mass mandates. And we really just don't know what the future looks like with the virus evolving or mutating. So um, I do think that it's cute, the idea of like us really being able to return to a, a new sense of normalcy or like a, a restored sense of normalcy. But I think it it might be too soon to start planning for big events this summer. I think so too. I I think Malaya, you said it earlier too. Well, Linda, you said it's cute. I absolutely agree with that. But Malaya, you said that um, basically what you said was that this, you know, we still need to moderate things. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how we're going to beat this virus at the end of the day is we have to moderate things. I mean, I'm not one, I don't want to be a stickler. I like to go out and have a drink every once in a while, but you know, I, I like to, I wear my mask in between sips and I try to, mm-hmm. I make sure I'm distanced, but um, you know, I, and I'm 
getting my vaccine and everything, but that's doesn't happen often. And I think that's because I've been self-moderating and, you know, I probably shouldn't have gone and done some of those things when I did them, but you know, that's the choices I've made. So I think there's a lot to be said for like mental health as well. Just, you know, isolation and stuff like that is really hard on people at times, but I think there's a, we're doing the best we can to maintain safety. And I think as long as you're taking personal accountability for what you're doing and you're making sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to make sure yourself and the people around you are safe. As long as you're following the guidelines that have been set into place, I don't see as big of an issue with it. I think a lot of the issue comes in where we have people who are now seeing a recurrence of people just doing whatever, like it's back to normal before, you know, March of last year. That's where we had the big issues where we have venues that are allowing people to be up and doing whatever they want to be doing in the middle of the venue and stuff like that. That's where we're seeing the issues and they're fucking it up for people who genuinely want to try and accommodate how the world is today, but still be able to have some sort of a sense of normalcy, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And and I want to point out to the LGBTQ bars in Milwaukee are doing such a good job. They are. You know, they're taking temperatures. They're, people are sitting down, you know, people are, they're being table serviced at this point. A lot. I mean, it's, it's there. It's really well done. So we should really commend them for the good job they've been doing. All right, that's been too soon. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with politics. You're listening to Too Soon Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is me, Gemma Stone, and I'm here to bring you right back into our discussion this week on politics. Um, Obviously, Joe Biden had a big address to the nation, and he has said in this address he is going to direct all states and tribal governments to designate all Americans eligible for a vaccine no later than May 1st. And this is according to a senior administration official. And it matters because this is a wartime effort to get the nation closer to normal, as he has said, in regard the 4th of July. Um, and you know, this announcement was made tonight. So it's really, we're listening to this live. Twitter is going crazy right now. Um, Joy Reid called out uh, uh, former President Trump. She basically said, um, this is the response that Joe Biden is giving tonight that we did not have for an entire year of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? I think it's good to actually see some sane leadership. I think a lot of what we've seen in the past four years hasn't really made sense, especially in our response to any type of like crisis. So it's nice to look at the White House and see someone who is, you know, a politician, a credible politician in the sense, you know, people don't like everything that he does, but he has some history behind him and he knows how to appropriately approach a lot of the issues that we're facing. And I really just hope that there's some follow through. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, but it's going to take a little bit of time to feel secure in what he's saying. Yeah, honestly, I'm really, really happy. And I'm really encouraged by the amount of people that are getting vaccinated. I mean, I've already gotten my first shot. I know a lot of people in my circle of friends. And now that it's open to, you know, frontline essential workers. So a lot of us bartenders are are getting vaccinated. A lot of people who work in grocery stores and retail have the opportunity to get vaccinated now. So um, it's really, really encouraging to see. So Donald Trump has, he filed a cease and desist against the RNC to to stop using his name and image to raise money. And And he sent out a letter to all of his supporters saying, don't send your money to other Republicans, send it directly to me and my PAC. 
And it's hilarious because, like, Donald Trump, he's so ignorant to, like, how politics and how fundraising and, and campaigns work and, like, how the Republican Party works. Like, of course, they have the right to use his name and image to raise money, but he doesn't understand that. And then one thing Donald Trump is upset about is other people making money off of him and him not getting a cut of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no other reason he wants to get this money, but for the simple fact that he would have access to the money and he would gain, especially since he's under so much scrutiny and losing so much money already. And he's embattled in all these lawsuits. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly or if that is even a word, but he's entangled. He's entangled in all these lawsuits. He's in an entanglement in all these lawsuits. <laughs> okay, Jada. <laughs> and yes. at this point, like he needs any kind of stream of money since his businesses are failing. He's like trying to get this money to come to him that they are raising off of his name in the Republican Party. Well, it's gross and fucking con, man. No, go sorry, Malai. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it, it's it's funny because it ties back into what I was saying about him not being an actual tried and true politician. He doesn't understand how the system works. And he's been able to game the system, you know, by feeding into, you know, ideology versus actually feeding into being a good politician. And it's interesting to see how people are still buying into what he's doing, because this is blatantly against anything that goes with the Republican Party. So it's like, okay, give the money to me. You know, what what kind oh, of sense sure. does that make? Yeah. And I, I mean, he put the statement out and it, re- it reads like one of his old tweets because we, you know, he's still banned on Twitter, but it, it, it started and it said, no more money for rhinos. They do nothing but hurt the Republican Party and our great voting base. They will never lead us to greatness. Send your donation to Save uh, Save America Pack at DonaldJTrump.com. We will bring it all back stronger than ever before! Exclamation mark. And it's like this guy. I mean, he is so insecure. And I mean, obviously, this all leads back to money. I mean, he's greedy. Mm-hmm. He has swindled people for his own personal gain his entire life. So, I mean, this isn't surprising at all. But it's also something to be said about the Republicans that have allowed this to happen. They mm-hmm. have literally made their deathbed and the republican party is imploding from within it has been for a long time the republicans are not gaining a base they don't have these massive groups of people that are flocking to them because the majority of the americans in this country are more progressive minded than they than most of them would care to admit Mm -hmm. um but that's the reality so we're seeing the end and the destruction of the republican party and i'm not mad about it I'm not mad about it. I'm just scared about what comes from the future at this point, because it's just like all of these people who are like trying to figure out their identity politically and this, that and the other at this point in time, because we're seeing a complete shakeup and shift, especially in the Republican Party after everything that's happened. So where are they going to go? Like, what's going to happen? Are we going to see people move more towards extremism? Like, that's what I'm scared of. Are we going to see people move more towards, you know, being moderate? You know, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think so, too. And I think it's we're going to see a lot more moderation. But I think that's it's also important for people like us that are doing this sort of conversation right now to continue having this sort of conversation, because that's how we open people up to um, what is humanity. 
in a sense, the country is moving to a more liberal place. Yeah. But at the same time, there are people who are rebelling against it so hard. I got into an argument. I've been getting into arguments with people left and right over the PC culture that everyone is Mm. so upset about and the cancel culture. The Republicans have been obsessed with the cancel culture. And this plays right into uh, our next story about the stimulus being passed in the House and the Senate, because Mm -hmm. throughout this and throughout the last two weeks where Democrats and liberal media and even, you know, moderate to liberal media, they have been focused on coverage of passing the stimulus and what the Democrats are trying to do in Congress. Yeah. But like Fox News and all of these other conservative right-wing media outlets have been focused, like, laser-focused on Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's been so dumb. It's They find anything that they can to make a story and get people upset over things. And that's how they pull in their audience. And what's crazy is, like, people don't even understand. They're just, like, people are just like, oh, my God, they're trying to get rid of Dr. Seuss. It's like, no, there's literally six books that no one's ever heard of that they're trying to move out of print. But everyone's over here talking about, oh, they're trying to get rid of one fish, two fish. It's like, no, that's never what the case was. It's called Green Egg Super. I have never heard of that book in my fucking life. I know. Exactly. I was, my mom was a big Dr. Seuss advocate when I was little because the books, like, that. that's what a lot of parents read their kids when they're trying to teach them how to read mm-hmm. and when they're trying to stimulate their minds because they're really well written and i never heard of these books exactly <laughs> i've read them all yeah so what are y'all mad about y'all are mad about something that's not even applicable mm-hmm. there was only one book on the list that they got rid of that i was like oh i actually have heard that book name before girl i'm not worried about it anytime we're trying to get rid of racism i mean step in the right direction absolutely so, and it's coming directly from it's coming directly from Dr. Seuss's, uh, like, estate, right? Estate, yeah. Yeah. So what are y'all mad about? They can do whatever they want. Okay, it's called, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, which I have seen, okay. that's the one. So, uh, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street by Dr. Seuss is a problematic book. I believe that's the one with a lot of, like, stereotypical imagery of Asian people. Yes, I did hear about that. Yep, yep, yep. I haven't heard of that one either. Yeah, but that's the only one I've seen this book, and I've seen, the, like, I know the name of this one, mm-hmm. but the rest of them I've never fucking heard of. Not girl. Get over it. <laughs> so, so, it's he wrote, what, at least 100 books. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't, I don't understand why people are so upset over the six that are racist, have clear racial undertones. And because anytime anyone can find something to try and take away from people outcrying about racism, they're going to attack things that they feel like are weak and they can find a weakness in it and be like, it's not always racism. It's not always racism. So they can use that to try and discredit when we have other movements that are actually like talking about racism that they don't understand this is their mm-hmm. way, it's like gaslighting it's their way of like being like you know what they make shit up and it's not the case yeah. this idea of pc culture and oh why everybody's so offended by everything it is like mind-boggling to me because it's not that people are more offended people are just more aware of the history and context of things that are offensive and problematic even if even if they didn't have negative intentions it's the impact and everyone has a voice now, too. That's what people keep, seem to be forgetting. They're like, oh, trans people didn't exist. It's like, no, my friend, you just never knew someone that identified that way. They have always existed. And now they have voices, and now you have to hear mm-hmm. them. I think, it, I think it just speaks for people's moral compasses and, you know, what is truly right and wrong. Because 
you know, that we're all going to have some disagreements at the end of the day, but I mean, the racism is wrong. You know, homophobia right. is wrong. Like these are things that are, are, are they don't have any sort of uh, positive redeeming value behind them. So, and more people are recognizing that now, but we got a big battle. Out. And real quick, the other thing, I just have to talk about this because this is pissing me off. And it was a lot of conversation about it throughout the week. Hmm. Um, gender reveal parties. Oh, bitch. I didn't even pay any of that any attention. I was like, girl, let me just log out of Facebook. We can cancel that shit. People have been defending gender reveal parties as if it was like some sort of um, national historic tradition. Right. The shit just started. Like, you got to have a gender reveal party to have your baby registered or something. Like, what? Fucking stupid. People are just trying to get more free shits. That's all it is. There have been many people have who have talked about how it reinforces the gender binary, how it's harmful to trans people, it's transphobic. And, like, there's people now who still don't even want to accept the fact that pe- trans people exist. I mean, right. uh, what's her name? Laura Bobblehead in Congress. Is that her name? Is it Laura? Lauren. Oh, Laura Bobert. Lauren yeah. Bobert. I'm mad you call her bobblehead. I'm over you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like calling her bobblehead. We'll refer to her as that from now on. You know, she uh <laughs> she still doesn't want to accept the fact there are people in Congress who don't want to accept the fact that trans people exist and that gender is not a binary. And like it's so frustrating that that's what the conservatives are spending their time and energy on instead of passing legislation. Right. Like, girl, you gotta have something better to do. Yeah. I think it was like 220 Democrats and 211 Republicans in the House. That was the vote, the split vote when it went back to the House. Yeah. Um, so it was very, very largely divided among partisan lines, hmm. um, which is just pathetic. And one Democrat voted against. Yeah. The stimulus. Crazy. And I get it. Like, there's things they didn't like in there, but they did not even attempt to. I, I mean, it, it was clear where it was going, and they knew that they didn't have the votes to stall it any further. But the fact that they would do this and put the American people up, but this is a very, very largely popular portion of legislation among the American people. People want this relief. Yeah. 59% of Americans want this to be passed. And that's like Republican and Democrat. So it has bipartisan support in the country. It doesn't have bipartisan support in Congress. Mm-hmm. Y'all supposed to be representing us. What's happening? <laughs> exactly. So do we want to elaborate any more on the um, COVID relief package or? Well, it is the biggest social stimulus package to directly affect people who are in poverty or suffer from poverty Mm -hmm. in our lifetime. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, what people are really, really highlighting is the fact that it can cut child poverty in half and cut poverty as a whole by one third. So it's going to be so, so, so beneficial to people who are living in poverty. It's projected to lift millions of people out of poverty. Yes. Millions. And like um, the statistics about children who have to live in poverty, even for a short amount of time, how it can affect their education, their well-being, their future, their success. There's so many things that preventing children from dipping into poverty can help them achieve in the future, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's. That's just so, so, so important. And I just really, 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 um, I'm really glad that they were able to pull it off. Mm -hmm. 
in such a divided Congress and and such close margins and only happened because we had the opportunity to do it in the reconciliation because we we can't beat the filibuster right now. You know, we can't beat the filibuster and everything is hanging on, you know, whether Joe Manchin will be in favor of it or not. He was part of the reason the stimulus wasn't bigger. You know, Mm -hmm. they wanted to go bigger and Joe Manchin was like, nine with that so him having that amount of strength as a moderate centrist democrat is going to be a problem unless we can break the filibuster and he is not on board to end the filibuster completely but according to this the new interview he did with i think vice he was like well, you know, I'm open to changing how we handle the filibuster. So we'll see. Joe Manchin has a history of uh, problematic behavior. Um, there's, you know, he was the governor of West Virginia um, when I was living there back in uh, before he got into the Senate. And, um, you know, he's not he did. He has done some good for West Virginia. Um, being, you know, he is a moderate Democrat. However, there was some uh, some investigation that he had paid for the school that his daughter attended for her diploma, essentially. Same daughter went on to be CEO of Milan Pharmaceuticals. And wow. she's the broad that, you remember when the EpiPen price just jacked up? That's Joe Manchin's daughter. Wow. Yeah. So like, and then he's also been under scrutiny for high, creating a position in the, um, in the governor's office in West Virginia when he was the governor specifically for his wife and using taxpayer funded dollars to pay her salary for this really, I can't remember what the position was, we um, love to see nepotism. It was, uh, it's very much so very much so. So, you know, I don't have a whole lot of res- respect for, uh, Joe, Joe Manchin, no respect for him. And that's the thing, you know, it's like, He's in a very unique position where his state, Mm -hmm. he was elected to a state where they're not hyper liberal. They have a Democratic senator, but he's allowed to have those things because there's no there's no pushback from the Democrats in his state. He's allowed to be Democrat light. Absolutely. He's very Democrat light. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man, I I really, really, really I don't think he's running for a reelection, though. I think this is going to be his last. Um, I don't know if I've seen anywhere that he's said anything, but I'll, I'll dig into it. So yeah. We'll and we'll check back on that. Yeah. And even if he is running again, hopefully there's a there's a Democrat to the left of him. There is, that can there is a Democrat that has been working her way up and she's a coal miner's daughter and she is a progressive and she's smart. Uh, Paula Jean Swearingen. And she we'll is running. She's, she ran against them before, and she she got some traction. But she she is so, such an advocate for um, a progressive movement in West Virginia, and she's, yes. she's getting a lot of support there. So support Paula Jean. We want we want to see her. Good, good, good. Yes, we gotta make sure we include her name somewhere so people know where to go look. Yeah, for sure, we can do that. That is it for politics. We are gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back. You're listening to Too Soon Podcast. Okay, so you guys know that Zoom, obviously, we're using it right now. We're Zoom Divas. So all these different organizations are... are like utilizing Zoom. Um, 
companies doing it. Um, you know, it, lots of places are doing it. So uh, my best friend texted me last night. And she's like, do you want to see something really, really funny, but also super terrible? I'm like, always, of course, please. So she sends me this video of a Zoom meeting. A uh, hunger task force in West Virginia was having an online meeting where they were talking about um, the poverty issues in the state there and what their missions were and how they were lobbying Congress to make sure that they're helping people out of poverty, a lot like what we're seeing um, yeah. all over the country right now. Um, so really great, uh, great town hall they're having. And they have uh, uh, one of our representatives to the West Virginia House, Daniel Walker. So Delegate Daniel Walker uh, is a super incredible, amazing advocate of the human being. She's this powerful black woman. She's from Louisiana. She moved to West Virginia and she took her two kids there with her. Um, she has dealt with every single adverse sort of thing you could throw at somebody. So she's an incredible human being. She's on this call and I'm watching her the whole time. And this guy's starting to talk and he's getting ready to transition over and introducing Daniel Walker and say, tell me about what you know about poverty and food in, in West Virginia. And as soon as he starts transitioning, someone, and this is where Zoom gets a little tricky. There's these things called Zoom bombers. And basically there are people that just kind of hide out in Zoom. Like they'll hide out in the background of Zoom meetings and they'll just go into random meetings and they'll do something to like disrupt the meeting. Oh no. Oh, it's bad. Sometimes it's really, really bad stuff. Like it's hijacked and it could be obscene or lewd or racist or homophobic, anti-Semitic things. Oh no. Um, but this particular Zoom bombing that happened during this West Virginia hunger, like online live Facebook meeting, you hear this noise and it's like loud rap and the screen is like completely jet black. And then all of a sudden you see just this butthole pop up on the screen <laughs> and it's like ball sack and butthole. And it's just like on the Zoom meeting. And Daniel Walker is sitting over in the corner of this like of this meeting and her mouth her hand just covers her mouth and everybody else is like what's going on <laughs> and, i mean I, i'll have to send you guys the video this is the you funniest thing i've ever seen in my life i'm gonna send it in the group now it you'll have to watch it later i wouldn't recommend watching it right now um but but it is hilarious i'm definitely gonna check that out i am definitely check it out okay so people are basically like jumping into zoom meetings and disrupting it because they can and they gotta shut the meeting down oh, oh they have to shut because they couldn't kick, they couldn't kick them out well sometimes they can't but then sometimes they just leave but then you think about it something like that crazy happens at a work meeting like what do you do how do you function for the rest of the meeting right. i would be laughing my ass off i'm not even right. and a lot of them were they were like oh my god i mean it was a, a big old butthole and a ball sack just like like twerking at the camera Hey y'all, how you doing? And welcome back to Too Soon. We're getting ready to jump into talking about the new Powerpuff Girls reboot that they're bringing to the CW. Thoughts and opinions on the Powerpuff Girls. I personally think that with the format that the show was originally, I grew up with like the 90s cartoon where it was surreal and it was over the top and they were, you know, throwing people through buildings. It's just too like a different universe to bring it to the real world. They'll have to be real subdued to make the Powerpuff Girls live action. I just don't think it'll work. I don't know. I'm excited. I, th I mean, like, here's the thing. I love the Powerpuff Girls and I think the Powerpuff Girls are, are iconic. But for me, in my head, I think that it only works as a cartoon because it does like they're little girls. They're like little like they're small. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't see how it could work in a live action situation that makes sense with the things and the way that the characters moved and their powers right. and stuff like it's just like I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is this is not the T for me. I know we were looking at the cast and um they're cute. 
They're very pretty. Yeah, the cast looks cute, but when you stack them right on top of the cartoon characters, you just, it kind of doesn't... My thing is like, sorry not to cut you off, Linda, but the thing that really pisses me off about it is the villains. Like, the villains made Powerpuff Girls. Like, they had so many iconic villains, and I just don't see how they're going to be able to translate, say, Mojo Jojo or... Or him, or mm-hmm. even like um, um, Sedusa, who was one of my favorites. Like, how are you going to translate that to live action? That's going to be really awkward. I think they're going to do it like Scooby Doo. That's what I heard too, actually. I but Scooby Doo was trash. I mean, the live action Scooby Doo was not the tea. Probably not going to be good. I think we can all agree on that. But I don't know. I'm excited to see it. Like, uh, we were reading about um, these girls, and I don't think I know any of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think what we were talking about, like, when we were discussing it, I was discussing it with a couple people. Like, something that could work is, like, them being retired from crime fighting, which I think is more the route they're going to go. And then dealing with the trauma of being like childhood superheroes and super celebrities as kids. But now they're like trying to go back to a world of normalcy and just like how they navigate being young adults who have had this past. And it what says, are, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just wondering, what are they going to do with the professor? Mm-hmm. But it says that this article I was reading, it says that they uh, it follows them and they used to be America's like pint sized superheroes. Now they're just disillusioned 20 somethings who resent having lost their childhood to crime fighting. Mm-hmm. Will they agree to reunite now that the world needs? them more than ever i don't know it sounds a little corny we'll see the the idea is lit but i would still rather have it as a cartoon than a live action because you can do so much more with a cartoon character than you can a human oh for sure and you know like i just ooh. i mean it's not gonna be a vintage we're drag queens so you know we could transform ourselves oh yeah maybe they're gonna put them in drag oh we did powerpuff girls at one time linda you remember that That yeah we we really we we did but also, it was a drag show. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's not the same thing as a blockbuster movie. <laughs> yeah, and this is a it's a live it says live action reboot TV show. So like, how are they going to keep telling the story in the live action form? You know, I don't know. Girl, I don't know. Uh, so they have for the cast Chloe Bennett, who was apparently an Agents of Shield. Um, I didn't watch that show. Um, she I watched was, a couple episodes. It wasn't all that. Uh huh. She's gonna be. Um, bubbles. No, not bubbles. What's the um buttercup? Buttercup. Nope, not buttercup. The other one. Blossom. Blossom. Chloe Bennett is gonna be Blossom. Dove Cameron, who was also in Descendants, is going mm-hmm. to be Bubbles. And then Yana Perlet. Perl- Peralt. 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 She was in Jagged Little Peel, which I've never heard of. Um, she's going to be Buttercup. And like I like the fact that the girls are, you know, um, not all white. Yes. It makes sense, though, if they're all going to be made out of a test tube. It's not like he used any DNA when he created them. So why would they have like a racial identity? Yeah. I mean, they could have been blue, green and pink. Exactly. They had the black girl. What happened to the little black one? I want to see if they're going to bring her out. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I also feel like the reboots that they have done for the Powerpuff Girls. Like they like tried to change those too. They tried to make them more like for like tweens and they're like elementary school kids, but they had them like with the high school kids and stuff like that. So I feel like they haven't really found the groove of staying authentic to the Powerpuff Girls in this new age. They're trying to find a way to make them hip again because they were so popular in the 90s. Yeah. And it looks like this is going to be coming to the CW. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the CW, you know, they have a long history of making um, good shit bad. <laughs> No, they have a long history of making shows about animated characters into live action. You know, The Flash, Mm -hmm. Green Arrow, 
Agents of Shield. Some of those shows had good runs too, you know. True. Yeah, I will say I really did like the Flash and Green Arrow, especially like the first four or five seasons of Green Arrow mm-hmm. or Arrow or whatever. I was very into it. Um, but speaking of which, is Black Lightning on the CW? Yes, Black Lightning is also on CW, and um, I haven't got a chance yet to watch Black Lightning, but um, whole another separate topic. But I think like um, you know, China Ann McClain, the little girls are they, they were like young Disney stars, whatever. They did a bunch of stuff with Tyler Perry, whatever. She's in that show, and they were talking about she was talking about being mistreated in Hollywood working on that show. So I think she recently quit. So I don't know. I think there might be something going on with the future of that show where they might not um continue, or they're going to be switching up the cast because she's no longer there side note Mm. well you know that i mean am i surprised not really no but um yeah well we'll see what happens i don't know i don't see a release date i don't know if this is starting in 2021 or if this will kick off in 2022 but we'll keep our eyes out and we'll talk about it again once they get ready to air it i'm gonna watch it even if i think it's gonna be bad that's one of the ones i'm gonna watch because i just love the powerpuff girls i watched the pilot <laughs> you know, the rest is good yeah we'll we'll watch it and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> and other news in pop culture coming to america came out last week ish something like that a I couple weeks ago last weekend weekend before last i watched it i thought you watched part of it did you watch some of it I've seen some of it, but you know me, I try and put something on after work and I end up falling asleep. So, yeah. I, so I put it on, I watched it and here's what I'll say. This movie was for fans of the original movie who just wanted to feel the nostalgia. Okay. And I don't think that there was a fully realized story. Um, there was a lot of cameos and they brought a lot of people back from the original and brought in a lot of new people. And it was Mm -hmm. fun to see. And I think overall, you know, like it's not an award-winning movie, but it is something cute and it's nostalgic and kudos to Eddie Murphy for bringing, bringing everyone back and, you know, them just having a good time and having fun. I don't know how, how long they were in the works to film this because it's been like 20 some years since the original, right? Yeah. Third, it's been 30. It's been over, it's been over 30. It's been over 30 actually, because I think it came out in 88 or 89. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So, and they kept referencing, it's been 30 years in the movie. So I think they started filming this back in like 2019. Yeah, probably. 2018, 2019. Well, they've been talking about it for a minute. I know they've been talking about wanting to redo it and it's been in the work. So I'm glad. Uh, at least they got it done. Yeah. Well, so it's worth the watch then, right? Um, If you've seen the first one and you, mm-hmm. and you really want to, um, you know, see these characters again, it's worth the watch. Okay. For sure. If you like, I mean, is it as funny as the first one? Absolutely not. Does it bring any new revelations or answer any questions you wanted it to answer or even have confrontations that you wanted characters to have. Mm -hmm. Just not a whole lot of plot. No. The original was so good. It's just, that's not a movie that can be really reproduced and um, just such a great, great movie. Yeah. I'm still going to watch it. I want to see it. I love the original. I love Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to watch it. I feel like this wasn't the type of, the coming to America, the original wasn't the type of movie that you would really have a sequel for. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, it almost would have been cool for them to do like a 
like a remake or like, you know, like with new characters, like with someone else's Eddie Murphy's character and somebody else being um, like a reboot instead of a sequel. Not even a reboot. It was like a remake, a remake, okay. you know, like just like a total remake. Yeah. Like like a like a Hollywood remake with new actors that are fun and young and, and funny. Yeah. And and the guy that they picked to be um, Eddie Murphy's son. I don't know the actor's name. Jermaine Fowler. Yes, it's Jermaine Fowler. I think that he wasn't a strong enough actor. Oh, that's unfortunate. Like, I'm sure he'll have a great career. He'll go on to do bigger and better things. This role, I think maybe it was a script. Maybe it was just like the pace of the story and the plot. But there there just wasn't enough room in the story to fully flesh out him. There wasn't enough room in the story to really flesh out his love interest and their love story. Mm -hmm. Overall, I'll give the movie a two because it was cute. But I don't think that the movie um, was groundbreaking in any way. At the way I've heard, like I follow the Breakfast Club and I go by their word on a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to the Black culture. And they were talking about how, like, you know, coming to America is a lot of people's like favorite movie, especially when it comes to the culture and stuff. And they just didn't do it justice. So I mean, they're like, it's cute for a taste, but it's just like the legacy. Like they could have just left it alone for sure. Well, that wraps it up for Pop Culture. We'll be right back with our interview with Persephone Diamond. Mm-hmm. Love her. All right. What is up, Persephone? How are you doing, doll? Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's so great to have you on the show. And I feel like this is the perfect time to have you too, because um, we're getting back into spring. You're starting to take some gigs back. You just started hosting over at Tits and you brought your show Homies back. Yes. I'm so excited. I literally just started. I think we've only had two shows. So these last couple months, and then um, we're doing it every single month. And um, you used to have homies back in Madison at five, or I think it like a one before the whole. Yeah, there was only one, one show. Um, I had my last, it was actually the last show that I ever hosted at five. Oh, wow. It was my homie show. I mean, the show looked great. And despite any of the shit that happened after the show, which we can maybe talk about later, the show looks amazing. And I'm so excited that you have it back at Tits now. And um, I can't wait to come and see you. Yes, it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Yep, yep, yep. How was your year through the pandemic? And like, what was that like for you? And any highlights or things that changed or that inspired you through the pandemonium? Oh, well, girl, it was rough. I mean, obviously, like... I own um, a salon um, during the daytime, so that's where a lot of my income came from. But I used to do drag Thursday through Sunday before COVID, so a lot of my money did actually come from drag. Um, I used to travel like all over Wisconsin. I was um, booked in Chicago at least like twice a month. Um, so obviously like I had lost a lot of money because of it. So it was really stressful because, um, obviously not only did we do our, our gigs with drag, but like having to pay for everything in the salon, even through COVID and stuff was just horrible. So what I did was like, I actually didn't do drag, uh, um, a lot during like quarantine and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. when COVID just, um, had started, uh, because I was uh, focusing on my weight loss journey obviously i was out you know focusing on that trying to um eat better trying to lose weight and then 
once in a while, I remember I would like, you know, do my makeup. So I really did miss it. Um, yeah. uh, uh, the girls were doing like some online shows. I did a couple of those. Yeah. I was looking back at our messages and I saw that we were getting ready to, or at least planning to do another show at Dick's, but I don't think it ever ended up happening, did it? Oh, no, no. Everything got, everything good got canceled. Like there were so yeah. many things that I was so excited for um, that COVID. Yeah. So it was, it was rough. It was rough, but I'm excited that at least things are starting to, you know, get a little better. Um, I mean, I guess not with COVID, but like there's things that are opening up. I guess everybody's just getting kind of used to it. (laughs) Find ways how to like, like format shows and like trying to keep everything safe, you know, because at first we were all freaking out. That's why everything got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm going to double back, though, just because I wanted to talk to you about this, too, because you did. Like, how much weight did you lose over the pandemic? I lost about like 60 pounds now. Wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've seen your progress pics and I'm like, Oh, she's really fucking killing it. So it's really cool to see. Um, I know where weight loss can be a journey for people. And like, honestly, I thought you looked stunning before, but it's your body. And if you feel even more stunning now, I support that. And I love that. And you got to do what makes you happy. And I'm so happy to see your journey, no matter where you are on the scale, you're still a stunning ass bitch. It was a lot about like self-esteem, you know, and more about like health and stuff too. Cause like, girl, you already know being a dancing girl, mm-hmm. I think girls that are bigger get enough credit for when they are dancing girls. Because I am telling you, doing stunts and tricks and, and dancing now is a million times easier than it was a year ago. Yeah. Like, I remember doing splits and I thought about getting off the ground, girl. It was hard. <laughs> it was not easy. And I wasn't even, like, you know, like, that big. But, like, it it, it was to the point where, like, I obviously, like, it, it was hard, you know? Like, I, I lost my breath. I, like, couldn't. I just was not in shape, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's more about that. It's a lot. I just feel better. I feel better. Not just, like, how I look, but, like, performing and just, like my energy on stage and everything is just a lot easier for me. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure it was probably great for your mental health too. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Cause obviously like, cause I've always been very thin. So like when I gained, I gained 80 pounds. Um, that's to the, to the biggest, like, okay. And when I gained those 80 pounds, it was just like devastating. Cause like none of my drag fit me. Like I, uh, you know, like, just did not feel it was like I had to change my makeup I had to like change the things that I could wear like it was really hard for me and and that was when I like was first starting drag so like not only was I a baby queen but like now all of a sudden I had to figure out like how to fit everything with my body how to learn how to you know pad differently when I'm gaining weight like it was just a mess I get where you're coming from that was actually one of my questions was uh, about your weight loss journey um so congratulations one um that's what an awesome feat um but yeah i completely feel where you're coming from with that i i my thing was i grew up i was really a little kid and then by about second grade third grade i started gaining weight very rapidly um by the time i was i think by the time i was in ninth grade i was i was just a chubby kid and i kind of fluctuated a little bit back and forth but my, by my sophomore year of college, I weighed like 250 pounds. And, you know, so that's, that was a lot of weight for somebody with my frame. And, um, you're not much, I think we're about the same height for the most part. So I, it's, it's yeah. really hard to carry that on you. Um, but yeah, it's like, 
it's just, wow, how much better you feel and how much um, more whole your life seems to be when you are taking care of yourself. So it's a, yeah. Congratulations again. That's funny that you said that because like people really don't realize it. Like when you're shorter, it's a lot more like obvious. And like Mm -hmm. I lost the six or the, yeah, about 60 pounds, but like I gained a lot in muscle because I work out a lot. So it might not sound like that much, but like the way that clothes fit me, I dropped like I was an extra large and now I'm a small. Like I dropped a lot of size or sometimes yeah, yeah that works. But um in dragon stuff too, like it's funny, um for my crowning, uh the club crowning that I that I just did for club, um I was going to buy this dress that I had tried on about two years ago. And the reason why I was gonna buy it from this girl, um is because I remember when I tried it on, it was so tight. Like it was, it didn't fit me. That's why I couldn't buy it. It was this beautiful Etiquette gown. Um, I was gonna, it's a, it was a beautiful pageant gown. And I was like, oh, hey, like I should ask her, like I think it could fit me now, obviously, because I lost some weight. Like it would be perfect. Tell me why I tried it on and it's, I was swimming in it. It was so big on me. Oh my God. (laughs) It doesn't, yeah, like you don't think about it because it's like, okay, I lost 60. Like that's not too much. Or even there's actually some people that will tell you like, oh, that's not that bad. Like 200 pounds is not that much. Like, but girl, yes, it is. Like you really do see a big difference. You feel a big difference. Like in how everything fits you in drag. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Especially when you're short. This one's a good one. Um, Persephone. Uh, how does your Mexican heritage influence your performance style, like fo- uh, folkloric dancing? And how has it been rising up as a drag star in a predominantly white scene? Um, so when I started, it, it was really difficult because um, what I, what I, I mean, the way that I came in, um, it, it, I came in, um, start, I started performing with the girls at Latin night. And what the girls at Latin night basically said, right, when I started was, hey, girl, um, there is uh, uh, two choices that you have here. You can either be Mexican and just stick with Latinite, or you could uh, do American songs and then do all the other shows. Mm. And I was like, okay, that obviously scared wow. me. I was freaking out. And obviously, like, it's not, it wasn't them being like mean or anything, but it was them genuinely, like, how they felt because, or how at least people made them feel because they felt like they couldn't bring their like our culture or our music to the other um shows and i quickly found out that it was because yeah like it it wasn't really welcome and like in a lot of shows yeah you would get like obviously they they let you do whatever you want you can send in your music but i i got a lot of comments i got a lot of things like or like even suggestions like i remember like they would book me and be like hey but like can you do some english numbers or, oh, yeah, like maybe not Spanish numbers or, you know, things like that. Or can you send them another uh, mix that doesn't have Spanish? Like, I would literally get this when I started. Oh, my God. Oh. I was like, at first I was like, you know, I, I believed it. And I was like, you know what? Like, if I want to be booked and hey, I was a baby. I was a baby queen. I just wanted bookings. I want to get out there. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to do whatever the hell these girls want me to do, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm just going to perform English songs and I kind of started to but then after a while and and the funny thing is like that whole first year that I started doing drag I would only basically only do Latinite when I started doing American shows like I wouldn't do folklore at all I didn't do folklorico I think until I started competing in pageant because I was scared because like I knew that you know like Spanish numbers weren't so welcomed and I was like well how are they gonna feel when I come out in a traditional you know dress and, and come up with something that I know that no one really here does. 
So I was very scared to do it. But after I was, you know what, after, you know, just like realizing that um, what I did is, is my folklore was just something that I loved. Like when I did it at Latin nights, like I just, it just felt right. It was, it was something I'm so passionate about. I've danced folklore since I was like five years old in Mexico. And I was like, you know what, at this point, if, if they want to not book me after I perform a folklorico song in their show, then you know what, that's not a show that I want to be in. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. And I started doing them. And girl, whenever I do my folklorico numbers, I'm telling you, they are the most tipped numbers of the night out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're so talented. And it's so good. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate that. And, yeah. and, and honestly, like, it, it's amazing because like, not only is it something that I love, but like just something that pe- like when people do appreciate it and like, you know, like tip me or, or compliment me on it. Like it just, it's just amazing because like you feel like you bring at least like some part of your country with you here. Um, and, and when you miss it so much and when you miss your family, when you miss your heritage, like it, it just, it just, you know, it makes you really sad. And, and it's just, uh, just like so fulfilling when, when I can do that. Because now everyone in Madison knows what Folklorico is. And, and mm-hmm. most girls did it before, you know. So yeah. it's just amazing. I could not see you getting on a stage doing Folklorico and yeah. everyone not being all in. Because yeah. it's such a, it's like, it's such an experience to watch. You're drawn in. So for anyone to question like, how the audience would receive something that they're not used to. It's really, that's for the birds, honey. It was a, a, a very fulfilling when um, I did club and then won with that because the first year that I competed in club, I did Folklorico. And girl, I threw those sheets away. But some of the things that like you would see in the comments, like it wasn't them being malicious or anything. But it was just like the fact that like, obviously, like, I understand that like the judges weren't very educated in like folklorico or Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. But, a lot of, but a lot of the things like I was what I was more shook about was the fact that like no one really came backstage to ask me anything or like maybe like even after, you know, even if I didn't win, if they at least came back and been like, hey, like, why did you do this or why did you do that or, you know, or 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 at least ask me like how we do things traditionally but like it, it was really rough you know and, and because i felt so discouraged because i'm like oh like you know this is like this isn't just like a talent that i found like or that i came up with like yeah this is this is my heritage this is like a real art form and, and even if i didn't win like i would understand that because at the end of the day like it is a pageant i'm there to be judged i'm there to compete so i understood the judgment but at the same time it's like okay i i would still want if you don't understand like an aspect of it, I would still want you to at least like have the decency to ask me questions afterwards or to, you know, like, I don't know, um, um, just at least educate yourself a little bit on what folklorico is or, or what, why I did what I did, you know? Did you, so what got you into folklorico? My mom just wanted to get me out of the house somehow, you know, cause, okay. cause you weren't having a very good situation at home. So what she um, decided to do is put me in, in folklorico dance classes. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, yo, well, while I'm here, they have they also have an adult group, so I'm going to join too. It'll be good for me. And we both did it. And we've been dancing ever since. I never stopped. Um, we have a folklorico group here. We perform here in the in the Overture Center in Madison every year, obviously before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I never stopped. I, I love it. It's it's I, even out of drag. I still perform for Clodico as a boy. Like yeah, something that I love. And that's really 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 cool. How did you start becoming you know like this outspoken 
queen, you know, that's, you know, you are that bitch and I love that about you. And I think we're very similar in that way, where if somebody does something that I disagree with or that I find offensive, I'm going to call you out. And, um, you know, I think sometimes there's a misconception that people like us, like we do it for attention or something, but, you know, I'm not doing it for attention. I'm doing it to bring, to raise awareness to racism, transphobia, homophobia, all of that. And, um, but what brought you there? Cause so the funny thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people say like, I, I think they have a big misconception that like we do it, you know, because we just want to be liked so bad or we want to be included so bad. But the funny thing is, is that like my everything that I do with drag, the pageants that I've done and everything have brought me where 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 I am now. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I would have never spoken up about any issues, I can assure you that I would have been probably double as booked as I was. I would have been in everybody's show. I would have been in ev- I would have been everybody's friend. You know, if I try to, if I try to be that girl that just like stayed quiet, I would have been, you know, included yeah. in everything. But the, but the thing is, like, to me, and, and it's funny that you asked that because, like, I don't, I, I actually don't consider myself an activist. Yeah. And the reason why that is is because I feel like what I do isn't different than what everybody should be doing because I don't go out of. I don't know. At least is how I feel. I feel like it's not it's not hard to to, to, to speak up problem. yeah and right and speak up and like and really like notice especially in in, in the lgbtq community like w- how minorities get treated like it's very obvious like it's not something that like people don't mm-hmm. know everybody sees it they just choose to not talk about it so right. i choose to talk about it i ch- i i I always say I didn't get these crowns to look pretty and, and to be booked in shows. I couldn't care less how many prelims I have, how many shows I'm booked at, um, how many things I'm included in, in, in drag-wise. Like, I wanted to to have this platform to make a difference in whatever I wanted to make a difference in. Yeah. And, and, and I don't consider myself an activist because I don't, I don't know, like, it, it, <laughs> I don't want to... I don't do it just because I want to call myself that, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. It, I do it because it's something that I just feel passionate about and, and, and yeah. what I feel like everybody should be doing. Yeah. You're vocal and you're outspoken. What, so what made you want to get into pageants to like, to do that? To, did you, what did you see pageants as a way for you to um, like have that microphone to change things? Well, um, I've always liked competing. I've always been competitive being okay. in dance in high school and stuff and like, okay. Um, I, I've always liked that aspect of it. I I knew that my drag, even though I obviously live and and, and every, anybody can see my shows and, and see that I book everybody. Uh, I love drag kings. I love I love spooky girls. I love alternative girls. Like I love all forms of drag, and I and I know how to value that. I also know that I am very much about you know pretty Latina girl that dances. Like I, <laughs> I know I know that's what I like, you know, and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, but obviously like my style of drag very much fits into pageants. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the same time, I know I can bring different things to pageants because folklorico, believe it or not, isn't done even in Latin pageants. Like folklorico mm-hmm. is not done. Um, I, I honestly don't even, I've seen a couple of girls like wear costumes or like do some sort of like intro with folk, but, the, but mm-hmm. there's never been like a full like folklorico talent in the state of Wisconsin that I, that at least I know of. Yeah. Um, so I definitely wanted to do that and, and just bring like a different aspect, I guess, of right. it. 
And not only did I like it, but I feel like I just had so much motivation to do it because I told myself, I'm like, you know what, girl, one day you're going to beat these girls. You're going to win all these pageants and you're going to do it <laughs> when you're in Spanish numbers. Yeah. And so, you did it in record speed because you're what, 23? Yeah. 20. Wow. And, and you in six pageants um, in 2019. I think. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, 2019, you were the title holder for Miss, I know Miss Gay Latina Kenosha. Gay Latina Kenosha, Miss Five Fabulous. Miss Club. Miss Club, Miss Primavera Chicago. I was also the Survivor Season 2 winner in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So what's next? Um, I don't know. I So my plan before COVID was to do some sort, I, I was going to do US of A. Okay. Because I qualified for it. I'm not mm. sure if I still want to do that. What I do know is that I want to do a system that goes to and that is national. Mm-hmm. Um, the main reason being because one, I want to have that experience, but also because um, I want to bring my folklorico to a national pageant. I want everyone yeah. to see it. That is my goal. That is one, one of my biggest goals in drag. Even if I don't win, yeah. I just want to take it there. And I want, I want, I want people to see it. You may have asked this already, but um, when did you start? Like, what got you into drag? I mean, was it was it dance or was it was there something else? My best friend, her whole family, like, is super supportive of uh, Latin Night at Five, and uh, one of the drag queens that was competing for Miss Gay Latina Madison had asked her because she knew that my best friend was in, in the dance scene with me, and she said, "Oh, hey, like, do you do you know anybody that would?" be willing to be backup dancers and she's like oh yeah like i have a dance team like i can ask some some of them and she asked me to do it i was like oh my gosh yes like and that was when i first came out so i had never even been a five like i had never like <laughs> had, you know i didn't know any gay clubs like and so i was like yeah sure like let's do it and so um yeah we we danced for her and right away like oh my gosh i went backstage and i saw the jewelry and the makeup and the hair and the dress <laughs> you and saw like, i have to do this I loved it. By then, I was—I had not gone to cosmetology school left. I was working at Sephora, so I already loved makeup, and I obviously loved hair. I wanted to go to cosmetology school, and, and I was like, and I love dancing. I'm like, this is literally everything I love into, like, one thing. And so I wanted to get your perspective, because we talked about Black people not wanting to get the vaccine. How do you feel it is in, like, the Latino community, especially, like, for immigrants with, like, trying to get vac- the vaccine for COVID? Yeah. Um, I think it's... It's definitely scary. Um, the Latino community most of the time just wants nothing to do with the government or the country. Right. <laughs> so it, it's already it's already so difficult because like not not only do you like there's so there's like so much conspiracy on on, on the vaccine and like everything mm-hmm. that goes on with it. But I feel like everybody's just so scared. And, and not only are they scared to get it, but like if you do get sick, if something if something like that does happen, like when you don't have a social obviously you don't have health insurance you don't have benefits you don't you know you don't have the resources to to go to the doctors you don't have, right you know, so so it, it is i feel like it is really scary because because of that because because if something does happen like what are you going to do you know and and, and everybody's going to try to protect their family and try to try to be good i feel like obviously they, they would get it um I feel like a lot of the people that I have talked to obviously will do what they can to, to keep everybody safe and to be healthy and to, to stop the spread of COVID. But, but at the same time, like it it is, I guess, um, I don't want to say more risky because obviously like if, if, because everybody does struggle with it, but like, 
when you don't have health insurance, when you don't have the research, when you don't have a social, when you can't get a driver's license, like it's hard. Things like this scare you 10 times more because we are already struggling so much that anything that adds to it, it's like, what are you going to do? You know, go back to your country at this point. Like it's, it's but this is your country, you know? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It's been very hard to like try to convince some people to get the vaccine and like, I've already gotten my first shot. I don't know if you plan on getting the vaccine, but um, it's just, it's better. The more people that we're able to get vaccinated and the less fear we have around it, it's just, it's going to be so much better for everybody. No, as soon as I can get it, I'm definitely getting it. I I work obviously um, with people at my salon and and rag. So um, I want to be as safe as possible. Should we do too soon? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So this next thing up is it's like a little speed round kind of game. We're going to throw some stuff at you and you can tell me if it's too soon, <laughs> which is like <laughs> um, taboo to talk about or, um, you know, something we should not talk about yet. And then mm-hmm. too late, which means that it is irrelevant old news and we don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. All right. Is there an in between? Say what? Is there an in between? I guess it could be the usually. Yeah, it's usually not. Okay. It's usually rapid fire. Yeah. And also too, I mean, you can pass too if you don't want to answer or if you don't uh, have an answer for it. Okay, let's do it. All right. So is it too soon or too late to make predictions for the season 14 Queens? And who would you like to see locally on the show? Um too soon, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because you know, as soon as one season starts, people are already on the internet trying to like, you know, making prediction lists. But if mm-hmm. you had to pick some local girls, who would you like to see on the show um, in Madison? Local girls. Um, one of them would be Anya Nees, um, mm-hmm. Amethyst, Von Trollenberg. Oh, my God. I'm, Amethyst would kill it. Mm-hmm. Karma. She would be amazing. Karma. Karma so- nope. Karma, Karma's a bitch. Karma's a bitch. Oh, my gosh. It's just a <laughs> She's gonna kill me. Yeah. Bleep that out, okay? Yes, I will bleep that out. <laughs> okay, because she would kill me. Yeah. Karma's a bitch, yeah. She is yeah. so talented, so stunning. Is it too soon or too late to declare you the longest reigning Miss Club Wisconsin? <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late. I was. Yeah. <laughs> Is it too soon or too late to um, address the lack of diversity in local shows? Um, wait, so too soon is to not like, to... yeah, like it's taboo. We shouldn't talk about it. No, we should. Yeah. Yeah. We need to never not talk about it. It's always going to be the right time. Yes. Two on time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hot seat question. Is it too soon or too late to put the phrase nasty and rude to bed? Too soon. I don't know. I agree. <laughs> like, okay, so I I used okay. I said I, I only used it once, and it was and I didn't even use it. It was um one of a uh, uh, um Cyrus K Stratton put or made a, a sign that said "rude and nasty" um <laughs> for their show, and I I died. It was so good, and they or he gave it to us, and we all took a picture with it. I, we thought it was great, obviously. People were very angry about it. The thing I don't understand, see, this is what I don't know. I don't understand. Everybody was really upset with me about it, but this is something that I got called. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't right. something that I called someone. Yeah. So why are you upset that I'm using the words that 
I got called. And at the end of the day, even if it wasn't supposedly, it wasn't meant for brown and black people. Mm-hmm. It was meant for me and my friends. But um, after that, I mean, I never even said it or used it or whatever. Like, I know I am, whatever, rude and nasty. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be there <laughs> the day I die. Yeah. It's okay. I love it. You got to make some merch that says rude and nasty. Yeah, girl. You got to, you know what? When you get called things like that, you just have to own them right. and be happy. Wear it with pride. <laughs> for sure. Um, that's pretty much, I think that's all the questions that we have for you. Um, real quick, before you go, please let us know about any upcoming shows or gigs or anything you have coming up. Um, so I have my homie show. Oh, wait, when is this coming? This will be coming out on the interview will be out on Thursday, unless I can get it out tonight. But it okay. So actually, Thursday night is my homie show at This Is It. Um, so hopefully, obviously, uh, I, it's a new show, so I'm trying to promote as much as I can. I'm trying to get as many people in this, um, in the seats as possible because obviously it's Thursday night. I don't necessarily, I'm not super familiar with the Milwaukee scene yet. So, you know, it's hard building your, your audience up when, when you're starting as a new show director, but I've been so happy with the crowd. Um, it, it has been so amazing. So, so I'd be really happy to see obviously more people, um, support me there. Um, and then the 26th sixth of this month i have uh, another show i'm in amethyst von trollenberg show um at five night club here in madison that's pretty much it for this month i have a couple of uh virtual shows next month coming up um five star tees by hosted by mercury is is starting again i'm gonna be in in their third show with that i'm also in charm school and this is it um, April 14th. I haven't posted anything, but I am starting to take more bookings. Um, I'm excited to just start doing drag again. Yes. Yeah. Where can people find you on the, where can people find you on the internet? Where do you want to be found? Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is Glam Cholita. Um, that's where I'm mostly active on. Um, Facebook, um, also Persephone B. Diamond, but mostly Instagram is where I tell people to follow me. Awesome. I'm also on TikTok. Glam Cholita. Follow me. Oh, nice. Uh, I think that's it. Thank you so much. So glad you were able to be here and talk with us. And I'll try to get this episode up tonight. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much. I love this. Linda, what are you doing Thursday? Um, Thursday, I don't have any plans. So I think we will probably- You want to go to the homie show? Yeah, I think we'll be at the homie show. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, that'll be so much fun. We will be there. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Persephone. Thank you. Love you. All right, we're coming back in and we're going to jump into Too Late. And this week, our topic for Too Late is with the royal family. And do we think that it is too late for the royal family to be trying to clean up their racism that has been exposed? Absolutely. It is too late. First of all, there was people who were acting surprised. Mm-hmm. And the royal family was racist mm-hmm. or and it's it's a long history of racism and the royal family. So I really don't understand why people are surprised. And, you know, you know me, if it's yeah. white people, I ain't never surprised. I ain't never exactly. Surprised. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even if they if they're the I mean, let's say this. You, we've all we all know that people you don't have to say racist things, even though most of them have um, to be a racist. You can have racist actions. Um, right. But let's say for, you know hypothetical purposes they hadn't said anything that was overtly racist out loud it was all over the british tabloids and the british tabloids there are like that's people's main source of news mm-hmm. and they did not defend Meghan markle or harry mm-hmm. one little bit 
And they, when it came to the tabloids, they're not living under a, under a rock. They know exactly what's being said in the media. It was just heartbreaking listening to her talk about how at separate points in time herself, Harry, together, they went to the administration that runs like, you know, the image for the royal family. And apparently they have huge connections with the tabloids and they host them at the palace to try and make mm -hmm. these connections. And they told them repeatedly, oh, this is just what happens. This is what is to be a royal. We can't do anything for you. So it was like well, it said. was blatant. It was blatant. Um there were different levels of expectation for different members of the royal family. And I think that's where a lot of their frustrations came from. It's just really sad because Meghan Markle too, like she, during that interview, she talked about how she'd felt had suicidal thoughts. I mean, mm -hmm. that's serious. Like, come on, you're fooling with somebody's like mental health and their well-being. Like, ugh. it's gross. So sad. Did you see the, the, the response from the royal family? Mm -hmm. It kind of, to me personally, it felt like a little bit of gaslighting because it was just like, we acknowledge that things could have been said or some things may have happened, but we think that, you know, you know, the Duke and Duchess have their recollection a little bit. It's not quite exactly what happened, but maybe something had ha happened. What the statement said was that the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. Uh, the issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some rec recollections may vary, huh. they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Girl, that's that's I'm I, I'm gonna say this as frankly as possible. That's white for saying we know we did it, but we gonna mm -hmm. prove that we didn't do it. <laughs> that was like a proper English Trump tweet. There you go, truly. And then mm -hmm. so yeah, so they uh, Prince William they caught him uh, somewhere walking and they stopped him and they asked him about what was going on and he had the audacity to say we are very much not a racist family. If you have to tell people you're not racist, you probably are. And I really honestly don't know who he was talking about. Because I'm going to say, y'all whole, whole dynasty, lineage, history is built on racism. Let's not forget how y'all went around the entire world and, like, maybe y'all didn't do it personally, but the institution is built on racism. So how can you say that? Yeah, there was another guy who came out and said the, the monarchy has done the most for Black people or people of color or something. They've done so much for for minorities or something. And I was just in my head trying to think like, what, what have that, what did they do? Did, wasn't it the British, wasn't it the Brit, British colonies? Oh, you right, you right. And didn't they have slaves? Well, I mean, you know, it was all, it was a lot of different countries, but they were the ones that were, you know, we don't know what racism is. We just invented it. I mean, it's just incredible because you, you look back at like, look at how they kind of reacted to, that, to Princess Diana. You know, mm -hmm. when she went to Africa and, you know, she was holding hands with a a kid that was dying of of HIV or of AIDS. AIDS. Mm -hmm. um, she held a baby that was this little black baby, and it was shocking. They were shocked. Yeah, I, I was gonna say Harry. Didn't he? He touched on like he blatantly put it out there. Like a lot of it came from them seeing how good Megan was doing when they were doing like you know their Commonwealth tours and stuff like that, and how the people were reacting to her. And he felt like there was a little bit of animosity and jealousy built up because she came in. People weren't trying to teach her how to be a royal. She had to get together with her team and teach herself how to be a royal while she's still trying to present herself as someone who knows how to be a royal. So I think they set her up to fail. And then when they saw that she wasn't failing, like they were like, sis, this isn't working. We're not supposed to have, you know, the black girl be the one that people like. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely a thing where I... <laughs> I mean, who am I to speak for white people? But I feel like white people want to see Black people fail when they are given opportunities 
to succeed or put in positions of power. Well, I think in that institution, they just don't want to see her doing better than them. And I think that's part of what it was. Well, you know, I mean, like, because it reminds me of, of Obama when he mm-hmm. became president. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to see him fail and they were doing everything in their power to make him look bad. Mm-hmm. And this idea that somehow Megan was a bully to her staff, bullshit. How she, um, you know, made... Kate cry bullshit. Well, she she debunked that. She debunked that in the interview. She straight up was like, no, actually, what happened was, and one of the big reasons that they were having such an issue with the royal family was that Kate made her cry, supposedly. And it got twisted to being that she did it to make, you know, save face for Kate. And it never got corrected. And they basically told her, like, hey, we all deal with stuff like this. We're very thankful that you haven't gone on record trying to, like, create a bigger issue than it is. But it's like, why aren't y'all defending me as a member, you know, of this institution? I deserve to be defended as well. I shouldn't have to be, you know, silenced for her benefit. Yeah. And and that's the thing, you know, I think that um, when it comes to Megan, like, the fact that she got a drop of black in her. They will never see her as equal. That mm-hmm. I absolutely now. Um, Megan is a woman who could almost pass for white. Oh yeah, we've talked about this before. Now, oh, speak, oh point of clarification: when we were talking, like I looked up Megan's mama. Megan's mama is, is black. Chocolate. She's chocolate. a black woman, and yeah. both of uh, so she's 50 50 She's yeah. not. A, she's not a quadroon, but she looks like one. Cut that word out. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is gonna be mad at that. Oh my gosh, I'm not doing this with you again. But just point of clarification: her mama is black. Black. Her mother is black. Her her grandparents, her her mother's parents are both black. But you know, African American descendants of slaves will still have some percentage of white and white in us because we were what raped. Um, so I was gonna say colonized, but okay, we're telling the truth today. <laughs> the fact that they debated on how dark the baby would be, I want to know who said it. <laughs> this is just my opinion. Allegedly, this is my my homosexual opinion. Um, I think that it was their father. Agreed. 100%. Prince Charles. And I do believe that it was Harry's brother as well, Prince Agreed. William. I thought it was those two as well. You cannot tell me both of them. Because it wasn't just one person guessing on it. And it could have been some of their cousins and aunts and uncles too. So so the it may not have been the Queen and Prince Philip. But let me tell you. I don't think she would have been dumb enough to have that conversation with them directly. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she probably thought it. She probably yeah. just wasn't there. She wasn't going to say that. She had somebody else say that. She might have had side conversations with other members of the house. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And if Charles, if Harry's father said it to him, there's no doubt in my mind that he made comments to his mother about it. So the oh, yeah. queen, the queen was well aware of how other royals felt about them having a child and the chance that their child may actually present black. And that baby came out. It's a white baby. That's right. baby. <laughs> baby, that That's baby. like came. ginger hair. Right. 
they it came out with a red hair with fair skin and like there's nobody's gonna question if the kid is mixed nobody if if you saw him on the street you wouldn't know the only way you would know is if you know that that is the child of Meghan Markle so um she's pregnant again and honestly I'm praying to God that this baby comes out with some melanin in his skin right I hope that it has some kinky hair I hope that Megan stops uh, straightening her hair and let her kinky curls show and just. Think her hair is oh oh, oh, it is. I think her hair. Her hair is actually curly. If you if you if you see pictures of her when she was a child, like um, when she was a teen, her hair is curly. She has like a she had like a three B. Okay, I got you. Three A, three B up in there somewhere. It's, it curls. So um, she straightens her hair. She's very fair skinned. But I think what I would do in defiance to all of the BS, honey. No tanning. Oh, sh- you ain't. Gonna, I'm a. I, oh, you want to see a black woman? I'm gonna be a black woman. Okay. <laughs> so so that's what I would do if I was her. And I really really do hope that their next child comes out with some melanin in their skin. And really upsets the royal family. And the fact that they've been cut off and they don't want to give her child a title. Now, this is the other thing that irritated me. I'm sorry, I'm going on another rant about this. But Megan said she didn't care about whether or not he had to protect her child. As oh, long sorry. as he, if, if he has the title, if, if it requires him to have a title to be protected, she wants him to have the title. And I think that's bullshit. He is entitled to that title. He mm-hmm. is a prince. He is the son of a prince. He deserves his title and everything that comes along with it. If you're not going to take that shit away from Kate kids, you shouldn't take it away from Harry's kids. And they never really gave them a reasoning behind why they didn't want to give him a title, right? Not that I know of. But they made it sound like they were basically like, yeah, we just don't think he needs a title. I forget what she said exactly, but um, they didn't think that he needed a title because it might have had to do with them stepping down from being senior royals. I have to look back and see that. But I know that was upsetting to me. And just the fact that this is your flesh and blood family, however you want to feel about it. But even if you're not going to give them a title, you don't want to give them protection. They are easily in the top like 1% of the most famous people in the world. And mm-hmm. you just like told the world where they are. But then on top of that, you're going to be like, hey, you know what? No more security detail. Good luck. <laughs> no money either. It's like, what? I. Uh... I don't even know how to feel about it. What I do know is that I'm upset about it. What I don't know is what the answer is, but I just really wish the best for Megan and Harry. And I really don't like the jokes and the memes because that's that's another thing that's kind of been irritating me. Now, I do enjoy the memes. I've been doing them, I ain't gonna lie. (laughs) With Oprah. Mm. But people people trying to make light of Megan's situation or make it seem like, oh, well, she's rich and famous. And oh, that pissed me off. I saw some people. Yeah. That's what's irritating me. It's like, just because she is married to a prince and like he may be well off or have a lineage or whatever or be royalty, that doesn't mean that things for her are not difficult. What kills me, though, is just like the people who didn't even, they didn't understand the context of the interview. They didn't even take the time to do any research about the interview. And, you know, even people in our own community, they're out here popping off on social media talking about, oh, rich people problems. And then you call them out about it. And then they're just like, well, well, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't get the context of the interview. I hadn't watched it. I didn't know what it was. And she's like, it usually ends up being people who are culturally clueless, who aren't in tune with a lot. Of, I know Black people are paying attention to it. It's a lot of white men saying, oh, well, it was just the meme or it was just a comment. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Like, 
Mm-mm, mm-mm, you should have known before you opened your mouth, and now you can take this virtual spanking. <laughs> <laughs> I only saw one white person that I know post something about it on Facebook, and then they took it down when they got red for filth. When they said, "Y'all know what I'm talking about, right?" Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I did see that. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna bring anything up, but I'm just saying, like, should we get into it? Should we get into it just to be messy, and we can put um, this in a little bonus? We'll, we'll, we'll do it for a bonus episode. And um, I w- we were going to talk about um, Stacey Dash, but I'm going to just say it's too late for the bitch to try to be black again. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's been too late. It's been, it's been too way late. too late. Stacey, baby, pack it up, sis. We don't want to hear it. You can stay Dan over Dan there. Dan, get your cousin. Dan, okay. get your cousin. Sis, we don't want to hear it. You can take your ass right on back to uh, Fox News and sit down and get comfortable. Bleach your skin. Do whatever you need to do to fit in. Because we don't want to hear the sunken it. Place. She said, I was in the sunken place. I am sorry. <laughs> Take me back. Sorry, Stacy. Stacy, um, mm-mm, mm-mm. the only thing I want to see you in is clueless. And I want to forget you ever existed after that. All right. I don't even want to see her in that. <laughs> Truly. This has been so much fun. Thank you guys so much. My name is Linda Joe. You can catch us here every Monday. And um, if you guys want to help us sound better and eventually have the coin to do videos too, send your girl a dollar or two on Venmo. It's Venmo at Linda Joe, L-E-N-D-A-J-O. And I'll make sure that me and the girls use it for the pod. Just put like a microphone or something in the comments so I know what it's for. Thank you guys for listening. My name is Gemma Stone. I am so excited to be back. I'm sorry I missed last week, but this was a great episode, and I think we had a lot of fun today. You guys can follow us all on Instagram and our Twitter. Instagram is going to be too soon pod, and on Twitter it's pod too soon because some other podcast stole our handle name, like, and they don't even they don't even record anymore. So that's why we're stuck with it. You can also find me on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook at the Gemma Stone, Gemma with a J, and that's it. It's your girl, Maya Marvel, Wisconsin's favorite drag superhero. Thank y'all for checking in with us. You can catch me anywhere on social media at Malaya Marvel, M-A-L-A-I-Y-A, Marvel like the superheroes. And until next time, my loves. Until next time, it's been too soon. (laughs) My bad, I fucked it up that time. I fucked it up that time. (laughs) It was much better than before. Yeah, Uh, make sure you guys catch Malaya every other Thursday at Tits for the showdown. Showdown. I'm painting for it right now, so a bitch is about to jump off and they can come see this makeup that I did while we were talking. Yeah. (laughs) Be safe. I will. Kick some butts. Once I'm fully vaccinated, I think I'm going to make my return to live drag shows, so you guys... I'll let you know how that goes and um, where you can catch me. And yeah. Get your vaccines, kids. Get that vaccine. Bye. Deuces. Bye. Bye.